One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. Uh, and tonight we're diving into Srinath Raghavan's uh, India's War. Um, I've looked at this book quite a few times. It's an excellent read, really, really authoritative uh, account of um, a theatres of war, which don't get completely overlooked, but they certainly don't get the, uh, the focus that they're, they're really due. And we're looking at tonight the composition of the Indian Army, particularly the um, the manner in which uh, Indian Army officers came to be given their their commissions for the first time. Um, the it was only during the Second World War that um, uh, the Indian uh, that um, uh, Indian soldiers were given um, officers' commissions. So let's dive right in. Srinath Raghavan writes, The expansion of the Indian Army resulted in far-reaching changes to the officer corps. Until the First World War, Indians were not allowed to hold the King's Commission. The best they could hope for was a Viceroy's Commission, granted only to senior soldiers who had risen from the ranks. From 1917, however, ten places at the Royal Military Academy at Sandhurst were reserved every year for Indians. These King's Commissioned Indian Officers, KCIOs, were carefully selected. Most of them hailed from the martial classes that had fought in the war. Following the political reforms of 1919, Indians in the new Central Legislative Assembly, the CLA, began to take a keen interest in the Indianization of the army. In response to the Escher Committee report of 1921, a set of resolutions was tabled by P.S. Sivaswamy Ayer, a leading liberal from Madras. These included demands for the setting aside uh, 25% of the places at Sandhurst for Indian cadets and for the provision of preparatory training in India. The commander-in-chief of India, as well as the, um, the Indian office, rebuffed the resolutions 
arguing that their provisions would dilute the efficacy of the Indian army and that no British officer would deign to serve under an Indian. Even a plan drawn up by the commander-in-chief in 1923, proposing complete Indianisation in 42 years, was spotted aside in London. The summary rejection of even so conservative a plan riled the Indians. Speaking at the next budget session of the CLA, Jinnah, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, noted that the Indian Army had 2,078 British officers. At the going rate, at, this, at the going rate, he asked, how many centuries will it take to Indianise the army? Concerned about a nationalist backlash, the Viceroy Lloyd Reading protested to London. This resulted in a plan to Indianise eight units, six infantry battalions and two cavalry regiments. Thenceforth, the KCIOs would be posted only to these segregated units. So, th- there's a, a number of really interesting things uh, happening there. Um, it, it, it is sort of, perhaps to modern ears, quite astonishing the extent to which um, the, the British Army, uh, the British Civil Service, uh, and the, um, uh, the, the, the organisers of military training, the, the Staff College at Santos, were able really to wear their, their racism on their sleeve, um, and that there was there was nothing really particularly controversial at the time about saying that a, a white officer would never agree to serve under an Indian, and there was um, an enormous amount of um, unspoken anxieties about the idea of Indian soldiers um, fighting or Indian soldiers being made uh, officers on a regular basis and thus the uh, uh, as the term goes the, the Indianization uh, of the army you have to remember that the Indian army along with the Royal Navy is one of Britain's um, in both world wars Britain's uh, super superpowers um, it is a, a military force far greater uh, in size than anything Britain can raise domestically. Uh, and the uh, Indian Army was the means by which Britain held on to its uh, Southeast Asian Empire. The, the Indian Army is useful uh, during the Second World War for fighting, not just in Italy and North Africa, but of course in uh, Malaya, in uh, Hong Kong, uh, in Singapore. Uh, the, the the loss and the reconquest of all these areas involve Indian soldiers. So, doing anything to jeopardise the uh, control over the Indian Army is something that uh, most British uh, military planners won't countenance at all. Then again, you have uh, British politicians, British the, the the Viceroy in India, who is able to take the, the temperature of local sentiments and say, you, you really need to concede on this because um, this is not like the old days. There are rising uh, emotions here, rising angers, where, uh, which cannot be so easily contained. Srinath Raghavan writes, The Indians saw the establishment of a military college in India along the lines of Sandhurst as the fastest way to Indianise the officer corps. 
By the way, I, I, I apologise, uh, international listeners who aren't familiar with um, the with, with Great Britain and its military institutions. Sandhurst is the officer training college um, in, in Great Britain. Uh, the equivalent in America would, for example, be West Point. Yes, the Indians saw the establishment of a military college in India along the lines of Sandhurst as the fastest way to Indianise the officer corps. After several resolutions were tabled in the CLA, the government constituted the Indian Sandhurst Committee under the Chief of the General Staff. The Indian component of the committee included Jinnah and Motil Nehru, um, who was the father of Jawaharlal Nehru. The committee proposed the large-scale increase in Indianisation, including the immediate doubling of places for Indians at Sandhurst, the setting up of an Indian academy by 1933, with an intake of 300 cadets for a three-year course, the abolition of the eight-unit scheme in favour of an unrestricted induction of Indian officers. The government was taken aback. After being placed on ice for over a year, the report was rejected on the grounds that it had exceeded its remit, but realising the need to mollify Indians, the government held out major concessions such as increasing the number of places for Indians at Sandhurst from 10 to 25, the nationalists were left cold. Motilal Nehru asserted that the, time, um, that the term Indianisation was a misnomer. The army is ours. We have to officer our own army. There is no question of Indianising there. What we want is to get rid of the Europeanisation of the army. The Constitution report prepared for the Congress under his leadership in 1928 also called for accelerated Indianisation. Um, in uh, Harper and Bailey's um, two books, uh, Forgotten Wars and Forgotten Armies, one of the points that they make is that the calibre of officer in uh, India, the white British officer, was particularly low. Part of the reason for this is the uh, the real talent had been killed in large numbers during the First World War. And also India was seen in many ways as something of a, of a backwater in a, uh, a, for, for a British military career. It was where um, the uh, officers and also civil servants went in order to kind of uh, manage uh, hill stations uh, in India um, normally with um, a large, large, um, a, a large amounts of uh, alcohol to make the afternoons uh, drift away. Um, and so the, the calibre of British Indian officers was highly questionable. And also their, their abilities to play the kind of intricate political games that were necessary diplomatically uh, in order um, to uh, make sure that uh, British officers in general in India weren't uh, even more unpopular than often they were. Um, by 1930, writes um, Srinath 77 KCIOs had been commissioned in the army. So, in April 1931, the Viceroy announced the extension of Indianisation from eight units to a full combat division of 15 units. An Indian military college committee, chaired by the Commander-in-Chief, submitted its report later that summer. 
the committee recommended the establishment of an Indian military college with an annual intake of 60 cadets for a three-year programme. And there's also a, a kind of a, a, a subtle and, well, not too subtle shift in, in emphasis. Um, as these officers um, were given their commissions, they would not be called uh, King's Indian uh, commissioned officers, but just simply um, uh, Indian commissioned officers, ICOs. The Royal Indian Military Academy was opened in Derridan in October 1932, but it had an annual intake of only 40 cadets. Less than half of these would be selected by open competition. The remainder were reserved for VCOs and the princely states' troops. There are some interesting stats to, to read about the increase in um, uh, British officers, in, in Indian officers. Um, so, for example, in October uh, 1939, um, a few weeks after the outbreak of the first, Second World War, there were 396 um, uh, Indian officers. Uh, in January 1940, there were 415. And then suddenly it starts to pick up. It, within a year, that's, um, of, uh, in the 1st of January 1941, that's gone up to 596. The following year, the 1st of January 1942, it shot up to 1,667. The following year after that, it's 3,676. On the 1st of January 1944, it's 6,566. The 1st of January 1945, it's 7,546. And a full five years after the start, or six years after the start of the first, Second World War, on the 1st of September 1945, it's 8,340. So it's an, an astonishing increase um, in uh, the um, amount of uh, Indian officers serving. At that point, the ability of Britain to hold on to India um, is, is, is highly in doubt. The British hadn't really come to terms with that fact, and many believed uh, that it was still possible to retain India all the way up to mid-1946. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The decision by the British government to try to put on trial um, men returning from the Indian National Army who had fought alongside the Japanese, uh, led by Subhas Chandra Bose, um, and the, the, uh, to put them on trial for uh, treason, um, was a real, real error. Mainly because there was not a court in the land, not a jury that would convict them, and there was mass civil unrest. So much so that the British really shown that their ability to carry on um, ruling India was almost nil, um, and the whilst there were some um, British uh, some soldiers of the army of the army of India, the British led um, Imperial Army of India, who had deep seated bitter hatreds towards uh, the uh, INA soldiers, for the most part. Most Indians thought this was preposterous and to let them come home. They thought at best they were had been patriotic but misguided. Anyway, returning back to the 1930s, um, the, whilst the wartime explosion in um, the uh, commission, officer commissions in the Indian Army happened rapidly after 1939, throughout the 1930s, Despite the deteriorating world situation, um, Indianisation proceeded at a very slow pace. Um, Srinath Raghavan writes, As war clouds gathered, the CLA passed a resolution in September 1938 calling for a committee to recommend ways of increasing Indianisation. The government responded by appointing um, one led by the chief of the general staff, um, Alkin Lek, to examine the issue. That's real kind of kick it into the long grass sort of um, uh, rhetoric. We'll appoint someone to examine things and scratch their chin and think um, that something must be done, but we're not going to do anything. After interviewing several KCIOs and ICOs, Alkinlek was inclined towards the Indian's viewpoint, but before he could set down his recommendations, war broke out in Europe. The Commander-in-Chief, General Robert Cassells, was prominent amongst the Conservatives, however. In March 1940, a study commissioned by him to assess the requirements of the expanding army recommended that Indian officers should not be sent to units officered solely by the British. This would have an undesirable impact, and he quotes, not only on the future efficiency of such units, but might be likely to prejudice the future requirement of British officers. So there is some some classic jobs for the boys' staff um, to prejudice the future requirement of British officers um, and the, um, uh, the, the roles that needed to be filled. Of course, one doesn't want to have a large numbers of Indian officers filling jobs that British officers can be exported uh, in, uh, from Britain in order to fulfil, um, it was uh, there's almost a suggestion that British officers 
don't want to have to compete for jobs in India. And, and this goes back to the, the, uh, the point previously about the calibre of British officers going out to India. It was seen as a place you go if you can't get a job in a guards regiment or if you can't get a posting um, somewhere more attractive. You go to India because th that's a kind of a, a, a place to hide or uh, a place for kind of careers that aren't really um, star-studded particularly um, to, to limp on. Clearly old assumptions died hard, nor did the study recommend the Indianisation of more units. It merely suggested that Indians now being given emergency commissions could be absorbed in garrison and administrative units. Casals produced a plan that he hoped would mitigate the challenge posed by the growing number of Indian officers. His solution was to fix a high ratio of British to Indian officers in the army and to plan accordingly for recruitment. Any further acceleration of Indianisation, he warned the Viceroy, would inevitably result in ruining the Indian Army as an instrument of war. So, um, if there's a high ratio of Indian to British officers, then every, um, every additional Indian officer means the equipment of an equivalent number of British officers. Um, and there, there's a kind of an unspoken racism there, that you know, you for whatever you do, you can't hand the Indian Army over to Indians to actually run it, uh, and it would ruin it as as an instrument of war. The upshot of this was the, that the average number of officers in units had dropped to desperately low levels by 1941. Only after Cassell's departure from office and the appointment of Alkinleck as commander in chief did the army adopt a rational policy towards Indian officers. From January 1942, there was a marked upturn in the number of Indian officers right through to the end of the war. During the same period, the ratio of British to Indian officers fell sharply. So there is um, so so uh, Claude Alkinleck, um, who led um, Indian soldiers and um, British soldiers, um, Allied soldiers in general, uh, ac across North Africa uh, against the Germans and the Italians to great effect, um, was uh, generally very well thought of by um, Indian and British soldiers um, and was given uh, an awful lot um, of uh, credit for his successes there. Um, but in part, part of Alkinleck's um, talent was putting his trust in, um, the, uh, in, in the Indian officers under his command. There was an air of informality about officer recruitment and the um, emphasis seems to have been on getting the right sort of chap. Um, Srinath Raghavan writes, The recruitment of officers was a two-stage process. Initially, the volunteers were screened by their local provincial selection board. Those who got past this were then interviewed by the, the, by the central selection board of the general headquarters. Initially, the army used rather informal techniques for officer recruitment. K.B. Krishna Rao, future chief of the Indian Army, was among the youngsters who made it to the second stage. There he was quizzed on general questions about the war and at greater length about his passion for cricket. How a leg break was bowled, what a late cut was, what position was known as a gully, and so on. Satisfied with his replies, the chairman of the board remarked, Well, Mr. Rao, I hope you will get 
to play plenty of cricket in the army. A successful Jewish volunteer, J.F.R. Jake Jacob, was asked in his interview in mid-1941, Do you shoot games? Uh, Jacob replied, No, sir, I don't shoot games, I shoot goals. There were peals of laughter around the table, and no further questions. Once again, this um, points to um, what Harp and Bailey were suggesting, a degree of uh, laxness, of, of amateurism, um, in uh, the uh, British-led uh, Army of India, and, and the Raj in general, um, which makes the, um, kind of explains in some ways, the successes of the Japanese uh, in other parts of Asia, um, and the uh, the idea that um, the uh, in places such as Malaya and Singapore were equally seen as uh, backwaters where careers could go to to fester, um, and it it also it also has a much deeper effect at the end of the Second World War. There were people from um, as from Burma, uh, Malaya, Singapore, and India. Um, not uh, you know, Indians who had been all, uh, a diaspora all over this area, and also uh, Malays and Chinese and Burmese, uh, who who looked at the British and thought, "What do we keep you around for?" Um, the part of the Part of the reason for a degree of consent to imperial rule in Asia was the idea that, at the very least, there is a kind of an effective military power there who, if we're attacked by the Japanese or if there's a kind of uh, in, uh, intercommunal violence, um, keeps us safe. The staggering betrayal of uh, non-white um, imperial subjects, particularly in Burma, where they were um, forced to walk back to India and told that ships leaving from Rangoon were white for whites only. Uh, and added to this, the, the catalogue of disasters which showed um, the, the, the British reputation for fighting, particularly in Asia, uh, up until 1942, perhaps even 1943, was, was greatly overstated. These um, shake the the kind of the very logic, the very rationale for empire, and it leaves doubt in the minds of many many imperial subjects that um, uh, empire has a, any value whatsoever. You know, you obviously you throw into this the uh, uh, the Bengal famine and uh, the um, uh, the violence of the Quit India campaign and all, all this kind of stuff. There's obviously huge, uh, many many other reasons. Why, after World War Two, an independence movement um, is is ultimately successful, but one one of the key one, one reason is the fact that the British Army in India um, uh, before um, 1942 was really uh, full of the kinds of officers who um, were not able to. Um, inspire a great deal of confidence um, and you look at uh, other parts of the British Empire at the same time people like Percival in Singapore uh, it, it's hardly surprising so the the Indianization of the army 
shows a very important transition which has implications not just for World War Two, but also for independence afterwards. Anyway, thanks very much for listening and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Do check us out on YouTube um, and swing by the Explaining History Facebook group. Um, it's Play History Podcast Facebook group and also check us out at www.explaininghistory.org there's new content in terms of blogging going up there all the time and um, a link through to our Patreon um, where uh, we gratefully receive all donations. Thanks very much all the best, bye bye Hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag, say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.